Welcome to the Catholic Connect Podcast. I'm your host, David Skubin. This is a podcast for all Catholics and people of goodwill who strive to live in the world, but not be of the world. First and foremost, we need to be disciples of Jesus ourselves. And then we go forth and make disciples of all nations, just as our Lord commanded. Through a series of timely topics and great guests, we will take that long and narrow journey to heaven together, encouraging each other in faith and virtue along the way. So let's get started. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. I'm so blessed to be joined by the following guest, a native of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, he's earned an MA in philosophy from the University of Manitoba, as well as master's in philosophy and a doctorate in theology from the University of Oxford. So a gentleman that is well-traveled, no question about that. He is a professor right now of theology and serves as a vice president and academic dean at Newman Theological College in Edmonton. He's got uh, nine books that he's authored. He's got one around the corner as well that we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit. And uh, his latest book, he's got a couple of his latest books published in fall of 2018 called The Gift of the Church, How Catholicism Transformed the History and Soul of the West, and a Christmas book that was uh, released just last year, so in time for uh, the season, called Christmas Around the Fire, Stories, Essays, and Poems for the Season of Christ's Birth. But fair to say he's uh, most passionate about his family, husband to Anna and father to nine. But most importantly, he is our brother in Christ. Dr. Ryan Topping is joining us right now. Dr. Ryan, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. David, thank you for having me. And thank you for your working so well to help build up Catholic culture in this place. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks so much. And you know what? Everything good that comes from from this this, uh, podcast and this type of media, it's all all for the glory of God. So thank you very much. And thanks for being a part of it. I'm just uh, so excited to have you. So before we, we kind of tackle the, the topic that we wanted to chat about today, and that was, that's leisure. Um, you know, you tell us a little bit about how you got into theology and you're at Newman Theological College right now. You grew up in Saskatchewan and just from the, uh, the introduction there, you've, you're, you're a well-traveled individual and taking your family to a lot of different parts of the world. So maybe give us just a little snapshot of, of uh, that journey for you to, uh, to get from where you were in Saskatchewan to where you are right now in Edmonton. Hey, thank you. Happy to. Yes, I grew up in Saskatoon. I, I grew up in Mennonite, in fact. So we're Catholic converts of about a dozen years or so. And as a Mennonite, uh, I, didn't, I didn't have the privilege, like you did, of growing up on a farm. So if I would have been the kind of Mennonite that uh, rode in hay bales and such. I... Maybe I would never have converted, but uh, Providence leads in the ways that he does. So, yeah, I grew up in Saskatoon, went to a Mennonite college. I was training to be a pastor, met my wife at a Mennonite university in Winnipeg. It's now called CMU. And, you know, one, one, of, the, um, one of the openings to me for Catholicism was the great books and the great architecture and the mystical life of the Catholic Church. The, the form of Protestantism, Protestantism that I grew up in was was porous and was open to, to certain Catholic influences. And when I, when I turned about 18, this is the moment when, uh, for a lot of people, you guys either lose your faith or you gain it in a new way. And for me, it was a moment of opening to the great gifts of the West. I, I learned about Dante and, and began to study the cathedrals, fell in love with St. Augustine, uh, St. Thomas. And I, and I realized that the, the pond had been swimming and was a little bit uh, narrow and, and not that deep. 
so over time, eventually, the Lord did pull us into the church, uh, and, and, it was, and it was largely through great books. So I, I'm, I'm just so pleased and I've been privileged to spend my life in the, uh, working in this area that we're talking about today, leisure and education. And, uh, and it's, it's the ch- one of the chief means by which the church has always uh, promoted evangelization and the formation of culture. And it's something we've terribly lost. And you're right. It does seem like we've lost that. I think it is uh, such an important topic. And I, I do want to say to you in the show notes after for the people listening, I'm going to put uh, Dr. Ryan was on with uh, Marcus Grodi on EWTN's Journey Home. Uh, that's already a few years ago, but I'll, I'll put that link up. It's a real interesting um, conversation that you had with Marcus on uh, converting to the Catholic faith. And I'm sure we could probably spend a few hours on that uh, topic alone. So, but, uh, but yeah, thank you, Ryan. So on the topic of leisure, so I just wanted to, to quickly read from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and I'm sure you'd agree with me, Ryan. There's just so many riches in the catechism that these untapped riches that I don't think Catholics fully recognize that are at their fingertips and as simple as going to the bookstore, whether it's a Catholic bookstore or even, even a secular bookstore and picking a copy up, it's just so rich. So from the catechism of the Catholic church, uh, 2184, just as God rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done, human life has a rhythm of work and rest. The institution of the Lord's Day helps everyone enjoy adequate rest and leisure to cultivate their familial, cultural, social, and religious lives. And, uh, you know, we live in quite the world today, Ryan, that, and, you know, even the thought that there's a, um, a significant increase now, I guess, in downtime that we're seeing and a lot of, of hopelessness and, and some stress in people now that we haven't seen ever. Um, you know, I, I heard that one particular talk that you had uh, given on leisure a few years ago, so I'm really really excited to, to d- dive into this, I guess, a little bit more. So can we divide, define leisure, I guess, from a Catholic perspective? We can. We can. Beautiful quotation to begin with from the Catechism. I, I fully agree with you there. The Catechism is one of the uh, best-kept secrets of the Church, although it's not a secret anymore. And when it first came out, there was a lot of opposition to it from certain, certain quarters of the Catholic Church that thought catechisms aren't needed anymore, that we've moved on, we're, we're more progressive, uh, theological categories are now too pluralistic to confine to a single text. And John Paul II, uh, wise pontiff that he was, knew that the Vatican Council needed a doctrinal framework and foundation. And the Catechism is, you might say, the the, the most lasting and durable fruit of that of that Council. So, for those who who might feel bewildered or wonder, well, what is what is a good interpretation or what is the true spirit of the Council? Well, John Paul's answer was, read the Catechism. Uh, anyways, um, let's define let's define that term. It's it's a. I'd like to talk about it in terms of its origin, and then and then perhaps contrast that with with or its de- origin, the development, and then its breakdown in the modern period. So, if you think about the origin of the word, uh, leisure comes from a Greek term, skole. If you think that word skole, we have resonances, as in scholastic, scholar, even schola. Schola cantorum. Um, essentially, for the Greeks, it uh, that term "skole," which we translate as leisure, means means something like contemplative activity, activity, a contemplative activity ordered to the good for the perfection of man. That's a that's a big long phrase, but it it's the kind of activity that's free, that is ordered to something that is an end 
as opposed to activity that is servile and simply directed towards means. So I'll give an example to illustrate. You think about, <clears throat> think about a holiday. And by the way, holiday comes from holy day, a holy day of obligation. It's connected to this, the, the idea of the Sabbath and of man's uh, doing things for the sake only of God, not for his own sake. Anyways, so we're coming up to, we just missed Immaculate Conception, which in most countries is a holy day, although it's not presently in Canada. Let's hope it will be in the future. So we want to we drive to a shrine. We want to have a little pilgrimage. Well, the activity of the activity that you're pursuing there is is the end. The, the reason why you're getting in the car is so that you can go on the pilgrimage and celebrate together, pray together, enjoy each other's company, enjoy the presence of the Lord, etc. But your car breaks down. What are you going to do? We well, have to fix it. That's a servile activity because you're you're working with the mechanics. It's not degraded, but it's it's not it's not an end in itself. You only you only fix the transmitter, the transmission rather, because you want the shaft drive to turn, and you want that to turn because you want to go somewhere. So the main main idea to get, I think, is that in the ancient world, in the classical universe that uh, the church is born in, there's this marvelous distinction between ends and means. Some things are done for their own sake. Some things are done for the sake of others. And scholae, leisure, contemplation, is is you might say the end of all human ends. It's the reason for which we're born and we participate in it not only when we study but but also when we roll on the ground with our our two-year-old when we go for a walk with our wife when we uh, when we um, play the violin or the piano or sing together. There's its beginning. When you think about scholae and leisure and you think about what difference the incarnation incarnation makes I'll just make a brief comment on this what happens with the incarnation is all of a sudden the body matters more than it ever did for the Greeks and Romans. So in the Greek classical ideal, philosophy is the highest activity and it's, it's intellectual and it leaves the, leaves the body behind really. Well, not so for the church because if God became man, then surely man has to become, uh, man has to become God through the means of the body, that is through the sacraments and through a, a physical life. Um, maybe thinking of Benedict's rule is helpful here. He, is, he combines the classical with the Christian in, in what he sets for Europe and for the whole of the West in the ideal of ora et labora. So we, we want uh, the ideal monk, the ideal Christian is one who both prays and works. So the body is given a new dignity. In the modern world, it all falls apart, but we can come to that if, if you want to. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely. The, the modern world is where it all falls apart. And I think the uh, the temptation i think for a lot of catholics and i'm i'm certainly not immune to this i mean if we're um if you're looking specifically you know at sunday you know the sabbath day the holy day there's there's this kind of a, a saying or kind of a joke out there with a lot of people they call them the nfl widow so people that watch too much football <laughs> on a sunday um the nfl I, widow widow nfl that's widow yeah yeah and uh and it's the people and, and you know what i've Again, I don't want to say that I'm totally immune to this either because I do like watching football. But, you know, it's when somebody is, is so involved with their 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 pools, their fantasy drafts and stuff with their, mm-hmm. their football players and they sit in front of the TV all Sunday mm. and uh, and watch football or, or other sports too. And they don't spend any of that time with the family. And it was, you know, it's interesting how you, you know you tie in, you know, playing with your child, going mm-hmm. for a walk with your wife. But, 
you know, we, we really have lost sight of that, haven't we, Ryan? We're, you know, we look at Sunday as a, a day of, um, um, you know, I don't know if idleness is the right word because there is definitely there. I think there's a confusion sometimes between leisure and idleness. And you you kind of know what I'm saying when it comes to the, uh, you know, just the, the secular world and how, um, you know, us as Catholic, we can kind of get sucked into that that mm-hmm. vacuum of of emptiness where leisure, which is supposed to fulfill us, it actually when we're when we're you know approaching it from a, a secular uh, perspective, it actually empties us of anything, mm-hmm. any kind of virtue, right? Mm-hmm. I like that. I think that's right. Yes, very much. Well, what, what if we, what if we think of it this way? What if we think about what happened to leisure in the big bad world on the one hand, and then what happened to leisure in the warm, cuddly church on the other hand? And uh, there's a connection between the two. If we, if we look at the big bad world first, what happens in the West after the recovation of the Reformation, you, you get, you get the rippling effects of modernity and and the, the chief one is felt, of course, in, at the French Revolution. All modern politics is played out in the terms that are first set out in 1789. Well, what happens after the French Revolution is you, you, have, you have a sequence of philosophical movements and then political movements. So on the philosophical side, you have, the, you have the collapse between, well, basically the separation of faith and reason, and, and reason from nature. So what ends up happening is, there's no category left for scholae. In the ancients, reason can know the good. Reason can know God. Reason can know truth. For modernity, you can still know truth about technical matters, let's say mathematical truths, although those two are on the ice. You certainly can't know about anything that's transcendental, that's beyond matter. That is to say, you can't know about things that you care about. You can't know about beauty. Is this an ugly church or is it a banal church? You can't know about about ethics. Uh, should I, should I uh, push grandma in front of uh, a COVID bus or should I pull her back, um, etc. It, it's, it's, all, it's all collapsed. So, so reason turns in on itself and all that's left is the world of, of, the, of the world of means. That is to say the world of work. That is to say the, the world of, uh, of matter. So what, what's the end result? Well, what, what ends up happening in the big bad world is Instead of thinking of leisure, our new category becomes entertainment. It's a totally different notion, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, entertainment. Now, some of the things you're mentioning, you're talking about watching football. There's nothing wrong with watching football. But if watching football becomes a habit that you can't break, a habit that's disproportionate, a good that draws you away from better goods, oh, yeah, then it's a real problem. Then it's evil. Um, for it, when we talk about entertainment, what are we doing? What, are we, what we're doing is we're saying, I want to pursue, I want to get away from the world of work as conceived now in modern terms, where it doesn't have this transcendent good, where it doesn't lead us to God, lead to the flourishing of our community in obvious direct ways. Uh, the world of Amazon and work and, Mark and Walmart is a world where things are just stuff. They're just consumables. It doesn't have an organic connection to the flourishing of my home, of my, of my community, and even of my soul. So for entertainment, you want to escape that. We're trying to get away from the, the drudgery, you might say, of, of, uh, of modern conditions. And so we seek pleasures that don't actually help us. Uh, think of video games. Video, game, video games now make more money for their masters than does Hollywood. 
We surpassed them a couple of years ago. Um, what are we doing when we're playing video games? Terrible stat. This is awful. Okay, you take, you take, and, and this is already a couple of years old, so it's it's even worse. You take, uh, this is a stat for 18 men, 18 to 32, and 50% of them. Okay, so it's only 50%. Question, how many minutes does the average young man spend playing video games a day? Boy, oh boy, I would think, because <laughs> I've, I've kind of delved into, into this, um, this issue as well, and I'm thinking it's got to be at least two hours. Is that it's ballpark? I, your ballpark, yeah, your ballpark. That's that's probably the the average if you took the mean. That is the whole set. But looking at fifty percent, it's two hours forty eight minutes per day. Substantial, shockingly substantial. That's that's just the average, like you said, right? <laughs> that's the average, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the average for fifty percent of men. Right. Okay? So it's, it's the, the top. We were saying top. that there's some people are watching or playing significantly more than even 248, which seems like, uh, you know, yeah. that should be a number that maybe would be more in line with what you play in a month. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's so we, we end up getting this phenomenon in modernity of the extension of adolescence, where adolescence never really has a terminus. It doesn't end. It's just a world of fantasy, of, that is to say, a world of entertainment. Now, contrast that with the classical view. In the, in the older view, in the Christian view, we want leisure. And what does leisure do that's different? It joins the pleasurable to the good. So pleasure is good. Pleasure is great. Watching football is fantastic. But the, the test that any Christian can ask is, okay, in my, in my leisure, in my free time, is what I'm pursuing now also elevating me in some way? Is it ennobling me or helping me to ennoble someone else? If it's not, get rid of it. It's just entertainment. If it is, then probably it's in the realm of leisure. Well, the thought that came to me on that, Brian, and that's such a it's a such a great point that you make there. And um, when you think of the connection with leisure and community, the community that we have, whether it's it's our own a domestic church with our children and our wife, and even our you know extended family, our, our siblings or our, our parents. Um, when we when we get into the world of of video games or or watching TV or just other means of entertainment that take us away from community, you know what we're seeing right now with this this whole virus crisis is that over the years we've seen that that sense of community has slowly been drying up because now we see that we can't we can't go to church the way we used to and even if we do can attend mass and and. Thank you, Jesus, right now. Right now, we can still go to Mass in Alberta. In some places in the world, we can't go. So people are stuck at home, and their way of, of uh, interacting with people on an entertainment level, and they should be maybe, they should be more like a, a leisurely activity, is, is through video games or through something that doesn't necessarily bring you up in virtue or, or raise you in virtue or, or get you thinking of higher things. And I think that's one of the just one of the, the the saddest parts I think about this whole um, this whole virus thing that we're dealing with here is that uh, we've lost that sense of community and I think do you, do you see that there's sort of that connection between community and leisure does that make sense to you Ryan? I do I do it's an interesting connection I hadn't I hadn't exactly thought of that but I I think there's something there the connection you're making is something like uh, the fact okay when you have a crisis you have a war you have a famine now we have a plague a plague that actually doesn't make people sick, it doesn't kill you unless you're 82 on average, uh, but it's, it's a kind of uh, plague nonetheless. 
when you have whenever you have these ruptures, what they do is they they make bare what was already there, right? So when when the uh, when Constantinople fell before the Turks in fourteen, I think it's fifty three, the the Rome Rome had lasted now for two thousand years. You can imagine that. <clears throat> falls it falls early in the west, but in the east it keeps going another another thousand. Well, the rot had set in already probably two centuries before or three. You just needed someone to come along and push you over. Well, that's kind of I, I would see it. Uh, I'd see where we are now. I, I don't I don't know if the uh, well surely the the restrictions and all of this it, it does cause us it does cause positive harm, but. I think even more so what it does is it puts strain on our systems. And so if you have a bad system, you're, you're now going to break. In other words, if you, have, um, if you have a bad family situation, if you have bad habits, you're, you're going to do worse. Those who have uh, better habits and better structures in place are, are, are going to do okay. It's hard on everyone, of course. No one likes to have uh, you know, their, their job shut down and the stores shut down and this and that. I mean, these are hard things objectively, but... But I think, in, from my point of view, what it does is it exposes the the the, the weaknesses that are already present. So it's gonna it's a winnowing process. We're gonna see others come out at the end of this, um, just fine, and some of us doing doing horribly. And you see the the division in in society, and um, and I, I just I guess from from my perspective, it seems that when we don't have uh, proper leisure, and and this is a you know I mean a, it's a kind of the tip of the iceberg, I guess, when you don't have God and God is removed from your society, what are you going to be left with? Right. And, and I, I just think of the, um, the world of entertainment and you, you know, you mentioned the world of gaming and of, of pro sports. And, and I, I certainly like, like my pro sports, I am a fan as well, but it seems that when we're, we have all of our, our energy, all of our, um, you know, on that's placed and that's directed towards something that's fleeting and that, might not necessarily be there long-term and we're finding, you know, so people, uh, they get more fired up over the delay in the hockey season starting over whether they can go to mass and, and, and go, uh, without signing up, but actually going in there and, and worshiping freely. And, um, it just kind of goes to show that our, our priorities are a little misplaced and, and an interesting point too, you know, when you think of a crisis, it usually brings people together and I'm, I'm not necessarily seeing that anymore. I, you know, if you go, and social media is just uh, can be such a, a negative, just a, a cesspool of, of division. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, in the last few weeks, we've been seeing people pointing the finger of who's to blame for for this virus, who's to blame for the the, mm-hmm. the further lockdowns or the lack of lockdowns, and it's it just becomes a big blame game that doesn't do any good for anyone. And it, if anything, it just causes more stress. And then if you don't have God. Right, Ryan. These people are starting to retreat to to things that are that are empty, that are not of God. They go back to their Netflix. They go back to their video games. They're you know they're not. There's no that community is just seems to be kind of sucked out of our society, isn't it? Before COVID hit, and this and this is already a statistic that's been around for a little bit, and it's only accelerating. This this is a CDC stat. That's the uh, Center for Disease Control. That's the main um, uh, body that governs statistics surrounding health in the United States. Anyways, the CDC stat is that <clears throat> the number one ask, what is it that causes people to die under 50? A uh, couple of reasons, but uh, actually the, the number one reason is what people now call deaths of despair. 
deaths of despair. That means drug overdose. That means you're uh, cutting yourself. That means mm -hmm. you're drinking too much. That means you're smoking dope and then crashing. Uh, now, you want to ask, why, why is it that this is the reason why we're dying? Well, we're treating people as though we're not, we've, we've got our anthropology messed up. Now, I don't want to, you, you've put a lot on the table here, so I want to try to find a thread that, uh, that keeps us around leisure. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think you're right, David, that, that there's a loss of community. But, you know, I, I, I wonder if it's, it's not so much a loss of community, but it's, it's a breaking apart of the fragile sense of community that we had before. And now we're being exposed. Now we're seeing, well, what are the bases of human flourishing? What are the bases of happiness? What is the basis or what are the bases of happiness here in Edmonton? There's an economic basis. You need, you need law and order. Uh, but you also need you, you need things that are beyond the material. You need you need scole. You need leisure. You need an interior life. This is the great hoax of the modern secular age. It's to convince us that there is no such thing. This is the um, this is what's celebrated in the literature and philosophy from well, do, let's say Dostoevsky's dealing with it from so from the 19th century up. Uh, the the great problem of late modernity is. Is, is, there, is life really just absurd? And when you take away these props, like um, the, the natural props that, we, that we've built up, so that is when we have a crisis, those props aren't holding us anymore and, and our souls are really laid, laid bare. Uh, one, one word of encouragement for us, uh, I'm sure this is a theme, I don't, I don't um, interact much, I have to say, with, with media, partially for the reason that you're you're proposing there. It's mostly a waste of time. Here, a side note, one thing that Cardinal Newman and Nietzsche agree on, they're the, probably the two greatest minds of the 19th century, one an atheist, the other uh, a modern father of the church. One of the, one of the few things they agree on is that the, the news makes you dumb. <laughs> don't listen to newspapers. Don't, don't read blogs. Don't waste your life. Figure out a plan of life. Find a spiritual director. You need a confessor. Find the norms that you need to live by, and then you build out outward from there. Uh, you, you, we, we need all the big things, but all the big things really count and really make sense because we've got the little things. That is to say, because we have leisure, we have a connection. Our, our souls are, are yearning for eternity. And it's always those who have um, their eyes most open to the eternal and to the transcendent that are capable of good and beautiful action here in the present now. So in the church, there's this wonderful uh, division or way of describing the progress of the spiritual life. Uh, it's basically threefold. And there's first the purgative way, and then there's the uh, unitive, uh, sorry, illuminative way, and then there's the unitive way. And, and isn't this a wonderful time, David, for us to, to, to take stock and to find out, okay, what, where in my life can I now... Uh, I have, I have an extra hour, let's say, every day. What, what can I do with that? How can I fill that with, with beautiful activity as opposed to numbing activity? I want leisure. I don't want entertainment. You know, the, the virtue of, um, I don't know if it's correct to call it the virtue, but I, I, I guess I would look at it this way, but magnanimity. Mm. I think that the word itself to me that I think Christendom, Catholicism, has made magnanimity famous. Mm. If I could use a secular term, <laughs> mm. but it's true. I really, 
I think that if we look at ourselves and I'm really glad that you, that you mentioned just looking for, you know, a confessor and, um, and taking that look at our spiritual lives. And when it, and I think that's how, how it ties into to leisure and to holy leisure mm-hmm. is deep inside of us. I know it's been inside of me for a long time and I'm sure that there's other listeners too, is you have a desire for greatness, but it's not a, it's not like I want to be in the, the hockey hall of fame or, or, you know, win some kind of major award and hang a plaque up on my wall. Cause I think we've all been there where we've received an, an accolade of some sort from the, the secular world and you get your trophy or you get your, your piece of paper and it's nice. It's good to have, but then you, you're always left with these, man, I, I'd like something more than this. Right. I guess this is how I would tie leisure. And you're saying like the free time is if that's an hour a day or half hour or, you know, what, what does Sunday look like? But what is that, that relationship with Jesus? How does, I guess, how does prayer and the different types of prayer, you know, we talk about, you know, verbal prayer, but also, you know, contemplation and how we can grow in, in prayer and meditation. But how does that tie into holy leisure? Well, if we can go back to St. Benedict's rule just for a moment, where, as you know, David, we, we started a, we just launched a great books program here in the fall. It's fantastic. We've got a group of 11 seminarians in it now. It's next year. We, ha- we had to limit it because of COVID for this year, but for next year, God willing, we're hoping to uh, open the doors and bring in 25 young people from Alberta, Western Canada, wherever. And, and we want to immerse them in an intellectual formation that will baptize their intellect. Uh, anyways, get them, get, get them to not only read great things, but also we've got a, a way of beauty sequence where they learn how to sing chant, uh, directed by Roderick Bryce, our own, our own um, uh, director of music here in, in the Archdiocese, one of the finest conductors in Western Canada. So they're gonna, they, they learn to sing poly, uh, polyphonic chant and Gregorian chant, all, all good stuff. We also have a, a section where people learn how to, students learn how to paint icons, learn how to draw naturalistically. They learn the theory of, of uh, Christian art and art history. Uh, so it's, it's just beautifully uh, logic, rhetoric, philosophy, all this stuff. Just an amazing program. Anyway, so we, we, want, we want to bring young people here to do that, to help form Catholic culture. How do you, how do, you do that in, in our own lives? Well, yeah, guarding Sunday, going back to Benedict, ora et labora, it means you have to have structures in your life. This is why Benedict is, sorry, Benedict's on my head because we just finished, <laughs> just finished a week talking about the rule of St. Benedict in, uh, in the class that I'm teaching right now, which is a joy. Uh, and one, one of the great things about Catholicism is it's eminently practical. Uh, so what can we do? Yeah, build in structures. Don't go to Walmart on Sunday. Uh, you don't need to buy anything on Sunday. Don't do it. And the catechism actually says you can't. You can't participate in necessary economic activities, how, how it's put. Get rid of things that you don't need and then work at filling with good things. Sunday's a day for visiting, for charitable works, for wrestling with your kids. Maybe you want to take up drawing or letter writing, or visiting a neighbor, or taking your wife, uh, having, have playing games with, with your wife or your kids. So you have to fill it with good things. We need structures. And it's from those structures that we can then do those habits, those norms of piety that we were talking about before, that we can, uh, that, that's really, those are the platforms that allow us to, uh, to grow deeper in the spiritual life and to grow into meditative prayer and silent prayer and all these things. Chesterton has a nice line where he talks about 
I, I think I think he says something like this, uh, where okay, look, we, we're we're all sitting in front of a banquet. That's all the same. The only differences between between us and anyone else is how wide we can open our mouths. If you have a good formation that trains you in virtue, that teaches you leisure, you can open your mouth wide, and and the banquet of, is yours. The banquet of ideas, the banquet of nature, the banquet of friendships, community, and God. It's all for you. Um, if if not, if you don't have virtues, if you don't have these good habits that St. Benedict wants to cultivate, you're still at the banquet, but your mouth is mouth has a mask over it. So none of the good gifts of God can be can be received. And isn't that our condition? If we're feeling starved, if we're hungry, it's not because God isn't generous. It's because we're incapable of receiving the gifts. So leisure is, is the kind of activity that opens us up. It makes a crack in the soul so that the light of God can pour forth. You can't give what you don't have, right? You know, you can only... You can't give what you don't have. Exactly. Yeah, I mean... Could put that on a coffee mug and it could remind us every day of that, right? And <laughs> no, that uh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. That's a really, really interesting reflection. And, you know, it was, it was encouraging to see, I think it was Poland maybe one or two years ago. I think they they actually, um, uh, you know, banned, or not banned, it's too strong of a word, but any non-essential businesses are closed on Sundays in Poland. Fantastic. And it I used think to be here when I was a kid. to be here. There were yeah. no stores open except... Uh, gas stations and pharmaceuticals, it, and who 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 broke this up? It was the big box stores. They they came and they hate us. They they do not like our communities. They're run from places far away, and they're happy to bowl over us and make make Edmonton just like every other stupid city in uh, North America. They, they they don't care if we look ugly. They don't care if our lives are poor. Uh, we have to fight against this. You know, just last thing on you know the, the political implications, economic implications. Look, if if our lives are at, are void of leisure, we're going to fill it with something else. We've got infinite appetite. How are we going to fill it? If if you're the kind of soul, if we become the kinds of souls that forget the longing for eternity, it's not that we don't have longings. We just fill it with stuff, and we become a people that is. We we have a, a culture of consumerism as opposed to a culture that is filled with good things, well, then, you, then you're more likely to want to be a, a people that produce things. So it has economic Im implications too, doesn't it? If I'm, if I'm that, the kind of guy that wants to be entertained, I'm actually not bringing beauty into this world. We want to, we want to do that, and we can only do that if it starts, we start with leisure. Here comes another Catholic term bomb that was made famous by our church, subsidiarity. We don't oh. talk about it enough, right? But yeah. subsidi yeah. you just, you just described subsidiarity right there. Ryan, right? And and how it ties back into community. And I think there is that there is a connection to leisure when we're when we're shopping locally, when we have mm. a break on Sunday, to go and see our neighbor, uh, to spend time with our children, to to give alms, to do what we need to do to uh raise our, our hearts and our souls to something that's greater. So uh man, again, maybe I'm uh, I'm just scribbling things down, maybe some more topics that we can we can tackle another time, Ryan, for sure. Mm -hmm. I do want to bring up one last thing, and I've I've quite enjoyed this. I've I'm learning a lot, like I always do, whenever I hear you speak, Ryan. That you're a blessing, and that's a blessing to call you a brother in Christ. So, uh, I have a, the, a a real blessing for me in this podcast is I there is a lot of women listen to the the program, which is so so cool to have so many sisters in Christ listen as well. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the the topics I cover are kind of directed more towards men and 
and to dads because I'm I'm one myself. But uh, it's a blessing to always hear that I have a lot of sisters in Christ that uh, that reach out and say that they're listening as well. And I want to bring up just this um, this conception of our society. We kind of mentioned it before too of consumerism and always uh, it just seems to always be the the world takes from us all the time. We both have wives that stay home with our children. And uh, we have a lot of uh, a lot of ladies out there, wonderful ladies that have uh, been well educated, like your wife and my wife have been had uh, opportunities or were actively in careers that were uh, that paid well and that uh, that were certainly uh, challenging for them, and they did very well at. But they've made a, a choice to stay home and to be uh, a stay-at-home mom, to be that um, uh, you know to to run the domestic church for us and to, uh, to be a support for their husbands. It seems that the world and I, and even just recently the, the federal government in Canada introducing these um, ways to get women back to work and this kind of a universal childcare of, you know, you can only, you know, you pay, I think $10 a day is what the, the plan is. And I, and I understand that there are certain women out there that uh, in the, the position that they've been put in, you know, sometimes by men, which is very sad, but other times just, you know, it, it just happens that way. There might be some tragic stories behind there, but they have to go to work. And I understand that that's a very tough position to be in. But what would you say to to men like myself, to husbands or to just other men to, to support women that are working so hard at home that don't make money the way that we would look at it, the world would look at it. And they seem to be really devalued, I think, by this world. How can we make sure that they have proper leisure and proper time? How can we support uh, stay-at-home moms and uh, you know that are really committed to the church and to the growth of the church, even though the world has totally ignored them and, if anything, has shunned them? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, two two thoughts. So one theoretical and practical. On the theoretical side, it, it's interesting what you say there, David. How women in particular are shunned if they stay home. Now, I, I think that's largely true in the, in the fairy tale land of the CBC. Uh, however, on the streets, I, I, think, I think there's been a, 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 something of a pronounced shift over, the, over this in the last 20 years, and partially because we're seeing the wreckage of the sexual revolution now in, in terms that really are impossible to deny. I mean, if you, if you look on happiness indexes, who are the happiest people? Well, the unhappiest people are people who are uh, uh, well, uh, people who live by them, who are single, who live by themselves, uh, and divorced, um, and, you know, unfortunately, and lots of hardship there. And the, who are the happiest? The happiest are uh, it's women. Or when, when you're comparing models models of happiness amongst women, it's women who are uh, married, who are religious, that is, they, who go to church, who have children, and who have, in fact, many children. <laughs> If you look at happiness indexes, those are the ones in the biggest golden pot. And this is, this is a secret that's been around for a while, but um, it's, it's now getting out. So I'll just say from our own, own experience as a family, anecdotally, you know, my wife used to get snotty comments now and again when she's toting around a bunch of kids. And, uh, you know, to the, to the effect that, oh, well, one guy wasn't there um, in a grocery store. I said, oh, you, you look, are these all your children? Yes, they are. Uh, oh, well, you, you look like an intelligent person. You look like an intelligent woman. Now, that was the kind of comment you'd get, or we'd get at least as a family, a number of years ago. More recently, in the last couple of years, it, it's more 
more uh, likely that my wife's going to get comments like, oh, you must be privileged. Oh, you get to stay at home. Oh, you, you must be, your husband must be really rich, <laughs> which he's not. <laughs> uh, but um, the, in other words, there's a new kind of status envy. If you, there's a beautiful book, a uh, fantastic book. What's his name? It's, uh, Douglas Murray. No, no, not, not Douglas Murray. Sorry. He's on my brain. I've just been reading him. Um, it's called Coming Apart. Um, kind of famous about five years ago. Anyways, if you look it up, one can find it. It's called Coming Apart. Um, and it, it, it breaks down the, the social habits of, of two classes within America. And basically his thesis is something like this. Those who have fallen all the trends of, of the modern sexual revolution and, and, and really taken the pill, um, they're, they're the least successful monetarily, the least happiness, according to any metrics, uh, and, and, and um, failing to thrive. Okay, so, so this, is, this is the bottom third. The top 20% uh, economically and so forth, they, they live by traditional, what we'll call values, although that's a Nietzschean word. You shouldn't use it without uh, wincing. Um, Velta. Uh, those, those who live by traditional morality, um, the, the top 20%, they're, they're the richest. They, are the, um, they stay together. They're married. They may have totally progressive views about sex and about sleeping around, but not for their kids. Uh, and, and so what you see now is this, this tearing apart of, of society's fracturing where really those who have abandoned Christian morality are not thriving. They're not doing well. And, and the, the elites, the new elites are those who are um, uh, living according to the old way. So very practically, what can you do to your wife to support her? Well, in, in my, it's a great question. I'm sure you have lots of good ideas about that too, David. Uh, in, in our own house, what we do is my wife, um, I, I told her when we got married, I have, I'm the eldest of six kids. I told her that, uh, you know, darling, I, I changed more diapers than you have. And uh, that was 20 years ago and she's uh, stuck to that. So she makes me uh, do, do my part there, which I'm really happy to do. Um, and uh, she gets one day a month off. So one out of four Saturdays, more or less, then she has her own retreat. She can go do what she wants, um, you know, go, but whatever she's doing, she's not with the kids. <laughs> so I think that's a, that's a really helpful habit that I know we've been able to live by in our household and, and uh, others I've seen who flourish in these situations do that too, where we can, we can honor them by giving them that time away so they can, they can um, uh, keep that inner life alive even while they're giving so much to everyone else. And so important for us to, to support our, the women in our lives, whether it's our wives, our daughters, you know, and, and our, our moms and our, our grandparents too. And uh, they've given a lot to our, you know, our grandmothers and mothers, especially the ones that have, have given us the gift of faith. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, so important that we, we support as men, that we support our sisters in Christ, regardless of uh, they fit into our family or what age they are. But uh, yeah, it's so important. Now you're talking about G.K. Chesterton. I, I love him, and I, I know we talked a little bit about a past episode I had with uh, my friend Paul Corrigan, and he's uh, probably the, one of the biggest G.K. Chesterton fans that I know, and uh, it's great. He's, uh, his, his love for Chesterton's works got me into Chesterton, so I'll always be mm. eternally grateful to him, and I know he means a lot to you as well, but mm -hmm. the quote, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Mm -hmm. So I hope that, you know, us as Catholics, that we can take a quote like that and take leisure and say, you know, how can we 
you know, take that long and narrow road to, to eternal life. And we know it's not, not always the smoothest road in the world, but uh, I think when we, when we truly put our, our heart into it and our soul into it and live that sacramental life, right? A regular confession and going to mass, receiving communion worthily as often as possible. Uh, we can be that, that light to the world that, um, you know, like you said, things, people change over time. And then they look at, I think they, they know that there's a truth inside of Catholics and Christians that they, they want. So mm-hmm. it's so important that we maintain a, 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 a disposition and an example that, um, that can be a light to others as well. So, well, Dr. Ryan Topping, this uh, time has flown by as I expected it would. I certainly hope that we can track you down again and and chat. You've got a, a new book coming out that's uh, probably sometime in 2021. Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about that and uh, the Christmas book that you released uh, last year as well? Well, if you're looking for a gift, yeah, yes, buy my Christmas book. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's a book of... of uh, stories, essays, and poems. So it's the kind of thing that grew out of our own experience of uh, every Christmas. We we take plenty of leisure, and we've we have very often, for many years, had a family over staying with us during that time. And one of the things that we do as a as a family and with this other other family is we uh, once the kids are down, we lock the doors, don't let them come out again. We don't want to see them, and we bring out some good drinks and either play games or. Uh, read a story. So this collection that I put together last uh, last Christmas comes out of that experience of reading with friends and family over the years. So I, it's a, a gift from my family to uh, to others, and I hope hope they enjoy it. And I know some have. Uh, there's another gift that just came out. This is um, something that a colleague of ours, Roderick Bryce, put together in the Scola at uh, St. Joseph's Basilica. It's called Alpha and Omega: Sounds of Christmas. Uh, so it's a beautiful CD. It just came in. I just got my own copy. Uh, day or two ago and uh, commend it to all in, all in sundry. The, the book coming up in a few months is a book on Newman and the new evangelization. So I hope, hope that will be a uh, useful at least to a few people. Sounds like and, the timing of uh, the new evangelization and from uh, a great mind like Newman. Uh, sounds like the timing is perfect mm. when it comes out. Probably couldn't come out soon enough to be honest with you. <laughs> but uh, no, thanks again, Dr. Ryan. It's it had been a, a blessing. And um, I, again, I really appreciate uh, your insights. I've learned a lot and uh, it's great to call you a brother in Christ and continue to be an example of, of virtue and charity in this world that uh, is so sorely needed. So, so thank you again for joining us. Thank you very much, David. God bless. Thank you again to Dr. Ryan Topping for joining us. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did and learned as much uh, from that conversation with Ryan as I did it's so important for us to have true rest and true leisure, especially on the holy days of uh, obligation, particularly Sunday, of course. And it really helps us refocus our energy and our lives and our souls towards heaven and towards God, the eternal things. And at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. And I hope that I know I'm going to look at doing a few extra activities with my wife and my kids. I think maybe picking up some board games, maybe reading some uh, holy books and literature together, particularly on a Sunday to refocus our energy as a family as well towards our Lord. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder that we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Parlor. Please like, subscribe, and share as you see fit. Again, a reminder to all you Catholics out there, got to go to confession at least three times a year, every Lent, every Advent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin. Don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. Talk to you very soon.